and welcome back everyone to the Dear Taiwan podcast. My name is Teacher Joseph. We are joined yet again by my friend in Taichung, Teacher Matt. This time for part four of our series, Five Things You Notice About Taiwan. When I first moved to Taiwan, uh, I obviously noticed plenty of differences between Taiwan and my home state of Massachusetts in the USA. So much so that I just began jotting down notes about many different things I noticed. The list grew to about 75 things. I then posted the list to Facebook to a lot of great responses, and the list has yet been expanded. And later on, more and more, lo and behold, the list has become a great topic for this podcast. So, without further ado, this is number 16 through 20 of 75 Things You Notice About Taiwan, Part 4. Welcome, Teacher Matt. All right, Matt, it's good to talk with you again. I don't know about you, but it's been kind of a hell of a month, what with the new massive COVID spread in the country and classes being shut down and switching to distance learning via Google Meet or whatever, and learning all the new things and expectations to be done at school, but limiting my screen time to a shorter block period. It's It's been a hectic, is all I'm trying to say. How are you doing in Taijiang? Oh, I wish I had a different job. <laughs> right about now because they want me to they want Sorry. me to teach in person maybe two-thirds of the class or one-third of the class in person and then the other students they want me to teach it in google classroom at the same time that is exactly what my school was doing and uh, it varied between one-third of kids on google classroom or up to a half one day before they pulled the plug and actually just uh, shut the school down for a week or switched to distance learning for a week I had six kids in class and 14 on Google Classroom in the background. So yeah, I had the same thing. Yeah, just uh, on Tuesday. I, I get the government wanting to keep schools open because, uh, let's be honest, kids learn so much less while they're at home tuning in passively. Yeah. But I also get parents concerned because at this point, and for the listeners, we're recording this on May 18th, 2022. Um, at this point, they just rolled out vaccinations for 5 to 12. I get parents concerned their kids are not vaccinated at all. Yeah. Has there, has there been a ton of COVID cases in your school, like among students? Every day we get an updated list of the classes that are canceled because they had someone that caught COVID. So today it was pretty small, maybe like two or three classes were canceled. But earlier this week, like maybe yesterday or the day before, it was like nine classes canceled. You know, it's like and yeah. like, thankfully now, like the rules about how long a class is suspended is like three days, so it's less yeah. disruptive. But I get parents are overly cautious; they want to keep their kids at home. It just makes it a nightmare for us as teachers because the admin still pressures us to get stuff done. Yeah, I, I was. It's weird because like my admin, they told me that if a kid chooses to stay home, he still has the right to learn. Yep. That's so I have to, you know, teach him online while the rest of the kids are in class. And I'm like, I'm scared of COVID too. Like, can I stay home? I have a right to pay. Come on now. Like, you know, if he's giving up his right by staying home, then I feel like that's his loss. I had a whole argument with my boss about it yesterday. And it's like, at the end of the day, no one wins, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll get through this. And in the end, um, maybe middle of the next semester it's going to be back to normal i don't know it took america a long time 
Well, we have the vaccines now. The populate the only thing missing is getting the age five to twelve kids vaccinated, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. And when did that release? When do they begin that rollout? Yeah, yeah. Like last week. Like literally oh, really? it's now. Just now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a long introduction about COVID. Is there anything else going on with Hydro <laughs> that isn't COVID related? Uh, bad news about the new house. I'll tell you about it later. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> For yeah. if, if you have any kind of interest in our personal lives, Matt's moving again. <laughs> um, it's just everything is super expensive, like three I'm, times what we thought it would be. That's, that's, that's what they say. Like when you own a house, your house owns you. No, no, like renovations. Like right? renovations three years ago were a third the price they are now. Oh, just like the market price. Yeah, yeah. Like even concrete is... It's like really expensive. It's like seven thousand dollars per ping when a couple years ago it was four thousand. You know, I that's wonder, gone up. Electricity wires have gone up, you know, tiles have gone up, everything's gone up. That sounds really inconvenient. I wonder how much of that's the global supply chain. Oh, I'm sure it's absolutely the global supply yeah. chain. Um, well, speaking of houses, that's a good way to um kind of jump into our first topic. And number 16, cockroaches. Obviously, in any big city in the world, there's probably some kind of cockroach situation. But I'll be totally honest, Matt, growing up, zero, none. Never saw a cockroach in my life growing up in a small town in Massachusetts, which you know is, is a temperate climate. So we have three months of winter, which could be an explanation why cockroaches aren't around. We spread out buildings, uh, larger single-family houses, a lot more wild animals around, um, like larger animals, be them rabbits or you know more birds, whatever it may be. Now we had pests, of course. I have fond memories of like every time I would sit down in the toilet to take a dump in the house, get to watch giant ants crawling on my feet because it's a wooden house. Oh <laughs> um, shit! But terrible. Ed, that, that was a good pun. Um, but uh, <laughs> between um, uh, carpenter ants, which are quite big. Uh, black flies, which are pretty prevalent in the summer. Those are the common pests. Cockroaches are not really a thing you encounter at all. What about you in New York City? I mean, I know New York City is stereotypically dirty, you know, but yeah. I usually just saw rats. That was like the, the New York City pest, rats everywhere. Like my grandma's house had rats. She had, you know, those black flies. Mm -hmm. Not many mosquitoes, to be honest. Maybe sometimes in the summer if you're staying out late at night or something yeah but i didn't see a cockroach in america until i dated a girl who lived in queens and i went to her house in high in, in university i was maybe 20 when i first saw a cockroach because she had them in her building Ooh, okay didn't um, fall in love <laughs> yeah so while we do have past i would say that cockroaches are probably the uh, number one pest that most taiwanese have to deal with Cockroaches are like, if not an every month thing, definitely an every year thing. And they are big. They can get bigger than the size of my adult male thumb. They can fly. They'll be different shapes and colors. Some are lighter brown and wider. Some are darker brown and longer. Me so, and my girlfriend, we had yeah. a flying cockroach, full size, maybe like three inches big, Inside yep. of our house. I never had a flying cockroach in my house. I only yeah. had like the runners. Your house. And I was folding my laundry in my bedroom and I heard like, you know, a fluttering 
And I turned around and I was like, oh, it must have been something outside the window because the window was open. Right. And then I turned back around and folding my laundry again. And I heard some fluttering on the other side of the room. And I look and there's this big, big thing, like bigger than my cell phone, you know, with his wings open, flying around, hitting the wall and the door. And I was like, I screamed to my girlfriend. I was like, there's a cockroach. And then she screamed and ran away. And I ran after it. And we caught it in the kitchen. It was behind the... It ran from the bedroom across the living room into the kitchen and behind the what is it, cupboards, cabinets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our cabinets are not attached to the wall. So we just like, well, I just shook it violently, made everything inside fall down. But the cockroach fell down too. And then I killed it with a broom. So uh, I, I had, um, oh my God, my second apartment in Naylee, um, cockroach stories. But yes, once I had a flying cockroach. And I was you know, living alone, working on Bushiban schedules. So, you know, you're, you're at your computer at your kitchen table at like midnight because you work like 1 to 9 p.m. roughly. And all of a sudden I just hear like a fan noise and I look up and this cockroach wasn't zooming around. It was basically just like fluttering and hovering there. Oh, wow. And I, 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 I was alone. I screamed because I, <laughs> I, I really didn't recognize the fact that it was a cockroach at first, you know, like yeah, me either, yeah. giant flying insect and in my mind, cockroaches kind of scurry around. I don't um, think America has the flying ones. I hope not. I don't wish them on anybody. They're disgusting. I don't remember exactly what I did to get rid of it. I ran into my bedroom. I kind of screamed like a little schoolgirl, of course, but I think eventually I just left. Like I had a habit of like leaving, you know, like, like doors and windows open for airflow just because, but second flying cockroach story. I've been kissed by a cockroach before. Oh, me too. Yeah. So no joke. <laughs> wasn't in my house though. You know, I, you can't make this up. I was waiting in line at like a vendor in Taoyuan City for oh, stinky yeah. tofu because <laughs> I'm I'm apparently the only foreigner who likes stinky tofu. I should make an entire YouTube series of just me eating stinky tofu. Oh, I like stinky tofu too. Oh, we can make a video together of just us eating Taiwanese yeah, looking yeah. up. But yeah, it, it flew, it hit my face like above my upper lip and I didn't know what it was. And then it hit a wall, fell to the ground. Yeah, they're pretty clumsy flyers. Totally just dead. Just hit my lip, bam on a wall, falls to the ground dead. And then really? I to my, my then girlfriend, future wife, and I was like, I just got kissed by a cockroach. It and died. <laughs> <laughs> My, my first cockroach story was uh, when I lived in Zhongli, in that high-rise that you used to live in. My cockroach climbed up the building on the outside to the 10th floor where I lived, and mm. inside my window that had no screen. It was in the kitchen, and I was stirring some pasta that I was cooking. And it kind of flew, or I guess ran past the stove part, and it just like was walking around on the counter, while, and I saw it. And I just had the spoon in my hand, so I instinctively just smacked it with the spoon, even though that's, you know, the spoon I was cooking with. And then it fell into the sink, and then it fell, like, into the drain, into that little cup that catches, like, vegetable skins and stuff. And yeah. I was like, I didn't even think. I just smashed it like a blender with this wooden spoon and killed it with a wooden spoon in the sink. I'm, I'm very sorry to hear about your spoon, but for our American listeners, I should mention that in Taiwan – you almost never have a garbage disposal the way we have it in our sink. And oh, the yeah. bottom of your sink kind of fitted into the sink metal is like this this oversized cup that people then fixate like a net over to catch all your food particles. And these like little mesh nets are sold in bulk at any kind of like dollar store. 
And um, if you try to explain the idea of a garbage disposal to some Taiwanese, they kind of get confused. They're like, well, why would you do that? And then, yeah, you the know. Yeah, pipes here suck. They, <laughs> they can't yeah, do that here. Pipes here do suck in comparison to the U.S. And then upon reflection, I'm like, yeah, why, why do we do that in America? Why not just catch the runoff from your food in the sink in a net? I, I never had a garbage disposal. We had one. It was scary as a kid. Yeah. You, 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 you a lot of horror movies. <laughs> You, you leave a fork in the sink by accident and it falls down and then like you flip the switch and it makes this massive loud shrieking metal grinding sound um and your fork's all dinged up so back to cockroaches you you had to sacrifice a spoon and almost some pasta dishes to just get rid of this cockroach that climbed on the outside of the building yeah um that was my first cockroach in taiwan i don't think i ever had a cockroach my first apartment but i was on the 20th floor and that was one thing I wanted to bring up. You will get cockroaches depending on where you live. So in my time in Taiwan, I've lived on the 20th floor, 4th floor, 1st floor, and 7th floor. And um, zero on the, on the 20th floor, basically zero on the 7th floor. I mean, of course, I was there for six years, so we had the occasional one, but it, it, it wasn't enough to count. When I moved into my apartment in, in Naili years ago on the fourth floor, I mean, like when I moved in, uh, my girlfriend at the time, again, future wife and I just, you know, put down suitcases, had cans of Raid and went through everything, like every cabinet, every little, like lifting up every bed frame, lifting, moving every single thing that was against the wall, every wardrobe. So, so 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 we just did a super super intense search hitting every surface nook and cranny and corner and i swear we found at least nine giant ones wow nine like in, and and so it it was an older building but it was just renovated as a unit and like if no one lives there they, they move in they just do yeah yeah like i just always had raid in the apartment and i just expected the occasional cockroach and they would come there was one cockroach it was obsessed with this one spot on this little rug outside my bathroom. I guess it was eating glue. Like apparently industrial glue is the cockroach's number one favorite food. Oh, really? I don't know. It was number one. So I know they'll eat like glue and paper scraps and soap scum. They'll eat like anything. Yeah, it's disgusting. The last, I guess, disgusting story I can mention is that, uh, yeah, when I moved into a first floor apartment, you got plenty. And one time I brought my laundry in to just find that there was a cockroach just in the in the pile of like clean clothes. And it scurried away and I was like, what the fuck? I gotta wash my clothes again. And I washed my clothes again, all of them. Wow, that's terrible. That was just disgusting. Do you have any stories encountering cockroaches like outside of your apartment? Like on the street or in night markets or whatever? Um, only one. I was walking in Taipei my first week in Taiwan. And I was, I'm not sure if I was drinking with my training group buddies or like just walking around talking and chatting and eating or something. Yeah. But there was like a, a big building where they like threw out the garbage on the street. There were, you know, cockroaches there and one of them flew and it flew like against the wall in front of us on the sidewalk. And then it flew to me. It hit me right in the chest. <sighs> and then it fell on the floor and I fucking screamed and then ran away. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it after that. I, I don't know if they have a season, but I'm inclined to think that, like, they're more active in summer. And, like, because in summer, you do see them kind of just walking around on the road on occasion, on occasion. Oh, often, dude, often. 
I mean, like, like you got to be careful when you say optimal. Like, you're not going to just like be walking through a massive crowd of cockroaches every sidewalk you walk down in Taiwan. But like, there is the occasional cockroach. It depends what time of day. <laughs> yeah, and you might not want to actually wear sandals walking through the city in the summer. I I still do, but like, you know, if you're worried about accidentally stepping on a cockroach. I had a cockroach. You remember you can the house you came to right most recently. You remember the balcony on the back? Yeah, the, the one that was looked up to the garden. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I think, hanging up my clothes or, yeah, I think hanging up my laundry one night, like maybe 9 p.m. or something, 10 p.m., sure. kind of late, you know? Yeah. And I walk back inside, I hang up my laundry, I walk back inside, I lay down on my sofa, and I feel some tickling on my feet. So um, I just kind of like kick my foot, and I'm like, okay, nothing, no, no, you know, no problem, just like a hair moving in the wind or something. And then I see on the floor, out of the corner of my eye, like some, it looked like a, a big cicada, like upside down. If you see like a cicada upside down and like yep. they try to flap their wings to try to right themselves, yep. it was doing that. And it was a cockroach. And I was like, mother, I, I wanted to kill it so bad. So I just, I think I took my shoe off or I grabbed my shoe from the floor because it was already off. And I smacked it, smacked it, smacked it, smacked it. And then I think I picked it up in a piece of paper and I just hurled it into that garden in the back. So I was so, like, I don't, I don't want this thing in my house laying eggs or something after it dead. Well, because cockroaches, they can lay babies after they die, even. That was just a thing. I was just going to say, I was told to never actually, like, stomp on a cockroach because it could spread their eggs. you got to use Raid or a chemical and kill it and flush it. I don't know how 100% true that is, but I'm inclined to believe it based on what you just said. Like, they, they lay a lot of eggs, and their eggs are, like, microscopic. What? No, they're not microscopic. They're not? No, 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 no. Maybe the size of a grain of rice and dark brown. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think if there's any stories of cockroaches in school. Like, my last school that I I've seen them twice in my school. Yeah? Yeah. My last school would have spiders because it was built into a hillside. So the kids would, like, like the uh -huh. back windows of the classroom open to, like, this, you know, bamboo grove. And they'd, like, take the, <laughs> take the freaking, like the broomstick and just try to get a spider web and pull it in the classroom to scare the girls. It was, you know, honestly kind of hilarious, but kind of dickish as well. Yeah. Um, cool. I guess back at Hess, like, I have a distinct memory one of my first um, weeks. A lot of my CTs back at Hess would have very, very strict rules about no Chinese in the classroom. And then that doesn't really translate well pun to kids who are in like level five of English and know very little. So when there was inevitably a cockroach in the classroom, this one girl, her name was Wendy, her English name was Wendy. Um, it was by her foot and she was freaking out, obviously, but then she didn't really know how to say it, obviously in English. So then she eventually just like had to work up the courage to speak Chinese. She's like, Teacher Mei Mei, Zhang Lang. And then she was really nervous to break the rule, but obviously it's a cockroach. It's, it's a health risk. It's disgusting. So the teacher was fine. But yeah, they were pretty strict about no Chinese in class in uh, that in Zhongli Hess. Yeah, I feel like my school is kind of relaxing those rules recently. I, I hate those rules. I hate rules that we have to enforce, like making kids feel bad about speaking one or the other language. Like, yes, you should be encouraging them to speak as much English as they can or want to or or um, can muster up in class. But like, 
this isn't like the Chiang Kai-shek times where you would be punished and harassed for speaking Taiwanese when your school's all Mandarin. Oh, um, no, I don't do it like that. I just no. say, like, you know, try to say it in English, and if you need help, that's why you have teachers here. You know, I'm here yeah. to help you. Same, exact same for me. Like, the, the kids will inevitably revert into Chinese at, like, a five-minute break time, and I'll be like, hey, guys, this is an English classroom. Please try to speak English as much as possible. And that's all I'll say. And when they, they start making jokes in Chinese, that's when I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Well, yeah, some teachers still really kind of get disciplinary when they're speaking, um, when they revert back to Chinese. And it's like, listen, we that because they don't know this concept in English yet. Anyway, so we've already got off track. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. So so uh, anything else about cockroaches aside from the fact that they're gross? No, just looking forward to moving out of this place so I don't have to deal with pests as much, hopefully. Yeah, and like I guess any advice to people moving into Taiwan, like when you do move here, expect cockroaches. Yeah. If you're moving into an older building, you will have to kind of um, search for them when you first move in. But the higher floor yeah. you live on in a building, the less of a problem it becomes. And that's been my experience having. Five. Yeah, but that that doesn't mean it won't be a problem. <laughs> I guess it could be a really old building. Like the cockroaches, they, they don't really take the elevator, not that much. But they climb walls pretty damn well. It's okay, so it's not it's not like a steadfast rule, but just that's been my experience. Okay. I, I, yeah, my my advice would be give your house a very very thorough search. If there's anywhere that you can like fit a coin, then a cockroach can probably slide in. So you need to search there. Yeah. You know that includes behind cabinets and you know through you know closet doors and stuff under doorways. Drains. Drains, yeah. About the fact you can that fit everywhere. There are drains in the floors of most Taiwanese rooms, uh, bathrooms, and kitchens, and like for when you're cleaning the floor, flush the drains on occasion. Like just, you can, you can yeah. go to uh, like the hardware stores and buy drains with smaller holes. That's what I did. Yep. To try to you know keep the cockroaches out. Yeah, that actually did kind of like confuse me for a second. Why the hell is there a random drain in the living room on the floor? Like my first apartment, and it's like, oh, that's just to when you're cleaning. Like, okay, I guess that makes sense, but like, I'm not gonna mop that much. Let's be honest. No, that doesn't make sense. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, the number two thing for today, and the seventeenth uh, thing that I noticed upon moving to Taiwan was stray dogs. I gotta say, it was far more of a Zhongli thing than it is a Taipei thing. To be honest, except that there are there's a whole gang of stray dogs at the Riverside Park. They just kind of live there. I don't know if they're abandoned pets yeah. or what, but like a lot of old elderly people go to there and feed them, you know, scraps or whatever, and they seem to be doing fine. But yeah, you will encounter stray dogs in Taiwan. I wish Taiwan did the same thing as America, you know, like within maybe a generation, maybe 20 years, they, they did a huge dive of stray dogs, in at least New York City. So I remember when I was young, there were stray dogs, you know, like in the park at night or something. Just okay. like Taiwan. And then they did like a capture and spay or neuter and then a release. So like not necessarily lock them in the pound, you know, where they're not going to find a home and they're going to be killed, but just catch them, take away their ability to reproduce and then put them back to where they were. Uh, now yeah. in New York City, there's I didn't see a stray dog there for a long, long time, many, many years. Back home basically never saw stray dogs because it's just too cold. And apparently, like the uh, 
up north, we we did solve this issue, but um, my, my parents told me that like when whenever they uh, they they adopted a new dog, I don't know, like four years ago, um, and a lot of the animal shelters in our area get dogs from down south because it still is a bit of an issue down south, like Georgia or whatever, South Carolina. Um, it's warmer. The dogs can live a more comfortable life. They're not going to die off in the winter. But to what you were saying about Spain release, Taiwan is doing that now. Finally, oh, I don't right, have right, any, I don't have any data for when they began or how successful it is. But I know for a fact that you know, some animal welfare organizations have have begun doing this. Um, have been you know funded and worked with government shelters. Uh, Taiwan now has a no kill policy in a bunch of its shelters. Oh, paired wow. with a Spain release policy, there's still just like it, it's just beginning, and there's still like two schools of thought with pet ownership in Taiwan. I feel like you got the middle class Taiwanese who have like this designer poodle from a pet store that they treat like a baby, and that's one side of. It. I said they have the carriage for the dog and everything. Yeah, they push them like they're yeah in the strollers. It, it's ridiculous to me. Yeah, yeah. But then you also have like the old farmers who like just chain dogs up as like guard dogs. You're they lucky just, if they chain them up. They better chain them up because if they don't chain them up, the post office is not legally obliged to continue delivering their mail. Dude, me and me and my girlfriend, we went to I think Sun Lake one time, and we yep. were driving back like somewhere in Nanto, and we went. I needed. I stopped at a gas station to get gas. And when I pulled into the gas station, two dogs just ran out and attacked my scooter. Really? Yeah. And then the owner was like, rah, 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 you know, like yelling for the dogs to come back. And then I just drove away quickly. You know, like they they took a bite. I almost bit my leg, but I kept driving. I, you know, entered the gas station, got attacked and, and continued driving out. I never stopped. At a gas station. Wow. At a gas station. Holy and then I was like, well, I need gas. So I dropped my girlfriend off maybe two blocks away and I drove back and I entered very slowly and then the man uh, tied up his dogs I chained them and then I just got gas and I, I left again and I was like damn dude like they're attacking your customers like what the fuck that's really weird so um I, I got a quite a rude surprise um going for a bike ride in Zhongli my first year I bought a bike I was really much more of a cyclist back then and I wanted to bike to the to the coast. I wanted to see the ocean, just to see. And I checked Google Maps, like walking here. Almost like, well, what's the what's the fastest way to go to the ocean from where I am now? Okay, it's just this road. Sure, biked to that point, and uh, no, it's not a. It wasn't a beach at all. It was a metal scrapyard, and I'm going <laughs> down this side road. I'm like, okay, the ocean's there. Then lo and behold, um, um the dogs hear me. And like a, a a pack of like I swear twelve dogs just began chasing me, and I wow. just pedaled for my life. They were they really caught almost caught me and began like trying to nip at my legs. Got the heck out of there! It just freaked me out. I mean like obviously I wasn't trying to trespass. I don't have any interest in going to some like metal scrapyard. I was just trying to go to the ocean. <laughs> it was really really freaking scary to be honest. You know I don't know if these dogs have diseases. I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't know at the time that Taiwan is a rabies free nation. Not, I don't want to get bit by a dog. Yeah, not a pleasant um, <laughs> bike ride. I think um, I've been attacked more by irresponsible dog owners, like that old traditional style that you mentioned, where yeah. they don't really take care of their dog or mind their dog. They just kind of let it free outside. Yeah. You know, I've been attacked more by that, even on regular roads, than I have been by strays. You got any more stories then? Naley Hess, 
uh, I was driving literally one block away from Naley Hess. There, this guy just let his dog outside, just loose. And the dog would run and try to bark and bite anybody that drove by. Scooters, cars, trucks, it didn't matter. So like after maybe the fifth time of him chasing my scooter down the road, I was like, because he would, he would run out and meet you in the road. And then you have to like make a choice. Do I swerve out of the way of this dog that's coming to me head on? Or do I just, you know, go through him? And I was like, the next time this dog comes out and runs at me, I'm just going to stick on my leg and kick him in the face. I was like, it's got to learn. You know, I'm not driving that fast, maybe like 30 kilometers per hour. I was like, it's got to learn that. That's still pretty fast. I know, but. Yeah. I didn't like that dog very much. I'm trying to think now <laughs> if I've encountered any dogs while hiking. And yes. I have seen dogs, but they weren't me. They didn't attack me. The, the only place where um, I got uh, spooked by a, a group of dogs while hiking was in like downtown Taoyuan City on um, Hutoshan, that little mountainous hilly park towards the east side of the city. I was hiking at night, which I guess is when the dogs are out uh, after work. And uh, it's a pretty like kind of popular touristy, not touristy, popular like area for locals to go. And then I just like a group of six, eight dogs jumped up in the middle of the trail and were like guarding the trail. I'm like, and I was quite far into the mountain, um, but on like a sidewalk path. And I was like, what the hell are you doing here? Go away. And they were barking me like, no, you go away. I'm like, fine, I guess I'll go away. <laughs> like, and, well, you have the numbers, so fair enough, yeah, I'll go away. <laughs> one of me and there's like, whatever, maybe six of you. So like, uh, I'm sorry that I walked in your mountain path. I was walking around my old neighborhood and I passed a homeless man and there were two dogs sleeping next to him. And when I passed and walked by him, I was just like walking around at night, you know, trying to get some exercise. Yeah. And they were like, you know, started barking at me. They didn't really come at me. They were just kind of barking, you know, protectively. Yeah. So like, that's but, one thing that like, uh, that um, I was told that dogs do, like they really are all talk. Like you can just bark back at them and they're just going to kind of like back down. A lot of times they just bark as they're bored. It, it is still weird, like, you know, knowing how modern and globalized Taipei is, just seeing, like, packs of friendly stray dogs just living in the Riverside Park. I mean, I've been attacked by stray dogs several times. Yeah? That one time you? I was driving around randomly in Taoyuan, and I went past that industrial district. You know, I was just driving around at night because I was bored and had nothing to do. Sure. And... I kind of came to a dead end, and there was a dog sleeping there, and then the dog traced my scooter. I kind of whipped around and, and sped out of there, but it tried to bite my leg, as dogs do. Ouch. So, like, yeah, like, there are a lot of stray dogs that are maybe, maybe used as guard dogs in, like, industrial parks. It's kind of hard oh. to tell. Yeah, even in, in Taichung, I got attacked by a stray dog. It was, they were, like, kind of leveling out the land. Like construction, they were turning it just like a field into, I guess, level land to build a house on or something. Right. Yeah. And they kept a dog in there behind the fence. So the dog was like super angry at me as I was walking past that night. And I was like, just stay on that side of the fence. And I was like, I don't want to fucking run away from a dog right. right now. A lot of times we'll be hiking on like local trails that kind of like are just ringing type. People have like little farm shacks or sheds up the mountain. A lot of old men will kind of hang out in these kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, half outdoor, half indoor, like mini pavilions, for lack of a better term. 
And a lot of times you'll see dogs up there and they're loud, they'll bark at you. But at least in the, the trails by Nanshijiao in Taipei that I like to kind of frequent, there's a bunch of those, but all the dogs are like behind fences or behind like gates or whatever. I said, throw them some food and, and that's it. Yeah, hopefully. I'm trying to think of like, you would just see packs of stray dogs like walking around like John Lee back in the day. I heard from Koming, if you remember him. Yep. He was my old boss when I worked in Navy Hess. Uh, he said that the park near the river, the one, I don't know, yeah, that big park. He said that used to be like the Wild West for stray dogs back in the day. He said when he first came to Taiwan, like, you know, maybe early 2000s, he said it was just, it was, you could never, you couldn't travel there at night. It was just too many stray dogs and they were just violent, you know? So and then has improved a bit with this situation. Yeah, I've heard it's improved a lot. And then what was her name? Kathy? Karen. Karen. Yeah, not Kathy. Karen, she agreed with him. She was like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Because she, she was there back then, too. Well, I guess, yeah, we can end this part of the podcast by saying, like, yeah, Taiwan has improved their straight out straight dog situation, but you'll still see them. Yeah. And um, whether it's the friendly straight dogs at the Riverside Park in Taipei or, like, a pack of kind of dangerous ones by an industrial scrapyard in Taoyuan, expect that a bit, you know? It takes time to, you know, get their numbers down after spaying and neutering them. Um, all right, so the third uh, topic that I'm going to bring up right now, one thing that I noticed upon uh, moving to Taiwan is uh, I wrote down here, only drinking warm water. Kids get yelled at for trying to drink cold water, which this just blew my mind. It is culturally preferred, and I'm going to be very, very deliberate about using the word culturally preferred, um, in Taiwan, in most of China, in other parts of Southeast Asia, Korea as well. Uh, to drink warm water. It's believed that drinking cold water um, for a variety of historical reasons, it's believed this, will make you uh, sick or imbalanced. Now, there has been, as far as I know, basically zero scientific research done as to whether or not cold water actually affects your body in a negative way. It's just a cultural thing rooted in a bunch of historical events. With that being said, um, it's quite a shock sometimes when you have a, because Taiwan's mostly water machines, not water fountains. Like you, you have to, oh, yeah. it's a shock when it's a hot day and you get to the water machine and the cold water button has been disabled because. Or there people, is no cold they, button. It's hot, warm, warm. It's like, how much boiling water can you drink? I mean, even in my school right now, every floor has a water fountain and they all don't have, none of them have a cold water button. Oh, that it's is hot, warm, warm. Like oh, warm. So, when I say warm, I mean warm, like 32, 33. Yeah, it, it does not quench your thirst at all. No, like, yeah. it, it baffles me for two reasons. Number one, because Taiwan's a hot country. So, like, what is, what is so bad in people's minds about drinking cold water when it's 36 Celsius outside? What is it going to do to you? Number two, shaved ice is a very common dessert. <laughs> yeah. So if you're eating ice as a dessert and you're not worried about the effect of ice on your body, of which there's none, um, why are you then so <laughs> conscious about cold water? And bottled drinks from 7-Eleven, bubble milk tea, juice is all served cold. It's just water. No, no, it's not just water. What else is it? Like my girlfriend, she believes pretty heavily in that. She says that uh, if she drinks cold drinks, 
or even like you know the the Chinese medicine cold, like watermelon is a cold fruit. Oh, she said she can't have that either because it'll mess with her temperature and it'll give her worse period cramps. I kind of don't even want to get into the whole like Chinese medicine um, definitions of cold and hot in this part. Actually, it, it's a lot it, to explain. It um, is. But I guess since Matt brought it up, I'll just say that like there's this medicinal belief that like this set of foods is cold because it cools your body down based off some logic. And this set of <laughs> is hot because it warms your body up. Now, why is, for example, why is uh, lamb meat hot, whereas maybe chicken meat is cold? I don't really know. I don't know how to explain it at all. I don't know which things are considered hot or cold. I know that... And some things are neutral, like guava is neutral. Right. So, like, there, there's a whole spectrum of cultural beliefs and perspectives on food with that. But just back to the water thing, apparently what it may have stemmed from was way back in the day, you know, ancient China, Ming Dynasty, Qing Dynasty, I'm not sure. If you wanted ice anything, it was really expensive. You had to get ice shipped down from, like, Manchuria or Russia you know, shipped down to it. And only the richest of the rich could get ice as a delicacy back then, right? Yeah. Um, in their drinks or whatever. So, like, the, the emperor drank cold water as this, like, fancy thing. So one day the emperor dies because the water was unclean because even cold water can have, like, you know, um, microorganisms and bacteria in them. And there was some kind of, like, you know, disease outbreak. But the peasants who purified their water by boiling it, which killed bacteria and um, substances were fine. So they kind of like correlated, oh, the fact that we're drinking hot water means that like we're safe because it must be cold water makes you sick. Well, no, dirty water makes you sick, but they didn't know that. And and, and you would think that today we do know that, but. Right, and, and we do know that, but the, the, the tradition, the cultural practice still persists. So it's to the point where like, Back at uh, Taoyuan Hess or Zhongli Hess, like the kids would have their water bottles and they go to the water machine and the CTs would yell at them for trying to take the cold water. And then I remember like being there my first year and talking to the CT. I was like, what are you talking about? And then she's like, well, they keep trying to drink the cold water and they can only drink warm water. I'm like, why? What's the difference? Well, their parents will be mad if they drink cold water. I'm like, but why? It, 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 it's water. It's, Drink water. It's healthy. It, there's no difference. Maybe there's a difference in the way a, a hot drink could soothe your throat if you're sick in your throat. It, it's truly just a cultural thing. And even getting into, into discussions about it with my, my mother-in-law, she admits that she knows that, oh, yeah, Japanese people drink cold water. And I'm like, yeah. And like so she, she tried to use the argument like, oh, well, well, you Westerners, your bodies are different. I'm like, that's totally not true. That is a pseudo. <laughs> You're not human. <laughs> That's like eugenics right there. No, there's no difference at all. But yeah, don't be surprised if you get to a water machine and it, it has three choices, warm, warm, and hot. And don't be surprised if people refuse drinking cold water, even though they will have cold bubble milk tea or shaved ice. And yeah. don't be surprised if parents yell at their kids for trying to drink cold water just because of this old cultural practice. It still confuses me to this day. Yeah, I mean, the most sense that I've heard it make is my girlfriend saying it makes her cramps worse, which I've heard from other women too, but shave ice, you know, right, like, tea. 
neither like, of us, like, I mean, yeah, neither yeah. of us are female. We, we don't know. We can't empathize with that. But I, I did look up, like, what are the, the leading things that would make period pain worse? And it's sugar and fat. Yeah. So yeah. If, if your girlfriend's is um, uh, uh, cutting cold water out of her diet but still eating G-Pie on, you know, that time of the month, then that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, she's still drinking milk tea, too. Okay, so there we go. It, it's it's a it's a widespread cultural practice that um, people in Taiwan prefer to drink warm water, and somewhat rooted in a pseudoscience that doesn't make sense. But they will be adamant about it and try to, you know, defend their beliefs so much. I, I drink cold water all the time, and sometimes, and this is actually really funny. So the, the water machines at work tell you the temperature. So the, 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 the kids will get really excited when they, when they go, oh, you know, oh, 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 shui sidu, sidu, sidu. Like they'll, like they'll, I'll hear them in the hallway talking about like, oh, the water machine's only four degrees right now. And they'll get their friends to come and try the cold water sometimes, which thankfully my school has a cold water option in the machines. I never drink cold water. You also don't? No, I just, I was having like tooth sensitivity. I think I was brushing my teeth too hard. So when I drank like cold water, like from the fridge or something, it would like, you know, make my teeth sensitive. So I was like, eh, fuck it. Like I'll just drink water that's room temperature. And I guess it, if I just go to the Brita filter, I'm drinking mostly room temperature water. I don't really care, but I don't have like this strong cultural preference about one or the other, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't mm, dislike drinking cold water. I'm fine with room temperature. It, when it gets, you know, hot, then I, I don't really want it, you know? Right. Like if it's like tea temperature, but there's no tea, it's just hot water. I think it kind of tastes different, you know? Yeah, and like and it, it really doesn't quench way. thirst. It does not quench your thirst at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of makes you dry, yeah. All right, let's go to the next one. So the, the last two observations that I'm gonna mention today, um, to be honest, I've already discussed them quite a lot in other podcasts that I made with either with Matt or with Bob. Um, Bob was my guest on the episodes, Things Taiwan Does Better Than the U.S. and vice versa. So the next one to bring up today is just simply uh, close proximity between pedestrians and a road. And it, Matt, I'm pretty sure that you and I have even talked about this on one of our previous episodes. I don't want to dwell on it, but like sidewalks are somewhat rare still. And you will see people using the road for multiple uses. It's not just for cars. Like, just just don't be surprised when somebody's walking in the road because there's nowhere else to walk. And I have I have a distinct. Or having a funeral in the road. Yeah, yeah, fair point. <laughs> yeah, they the block the road for random things. Yeah, pushing recycling carts on the road too. Washing vegetables. <laughs> Yeah, washing dishes in the road. That's a yeah, little bit yeah. more old-fashioned. You don't see anymore. Um, having their uh, vegetables for sale. Yeah. out into the road. Or like, like air dry, like uh, sun drying them in the road. I've seen that a bunch too. Yeah, so you, you'll see um, uh, pickled ginger or garlic or even uh, pomelo skin just kind of yeah. laid out in the road to, to dry in front of someone's house. You'll, you'll see even um, apparently in Inland County, peanut farmers rent out lanes of road to dry their peanut crop, which is it even makes, makes the news every year. It's, it's, it's kind of cute, actually. Uh, my biggest uh, memory about this, uh, when my parents came to visit in 2014, I had been in Taiwan for two years at the time. I took them to, to um, Sun Moon Lake 
they wanted to go to Sun Moon Lake. As we're walking down the main road, there's a uh, there's a tour bus that kind of is coming down the road as well and is on our side. And so we're walking. I'm very, very close between the tour bus to my left, probably no more than like half a meter. And like the scooters that are parked next to the building blocking everything. My mom freaked out. She saw my life flash before her eyes. <laughs> Joseph, oh my God. And like, what? What? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I still got 10 centimeters, plenty of room. <laughs> like, no, it's fine. This is Taiwan. Buses just do this. Um, I, I guess I have faith in bus drivers far more than I do other vehicle drivers. But I yeah. will say I've hit more bus drive buses than buses have hit me. So. <laughs> so yeah, just like the fact that you will have to walk far closer or far much more often in the road than is comfortable for a Westerner. This is a bit perilous when I'm pushing a stroller. Uh, but yeah. I will say that the only time I've almost been hit while pushing my daughter in a stroller is when we're crossing in a crosswalk and someone's turning. Uh, what else, Matt? What else about pedestrians and roads? I mean, I've never been hit, even despite all the times. Like, my street, uh, there are sidewalks at my on my street right now, but a lot of shops kind of extend their shop onto their sidewalk. You know, yep. like, they'll hang their clothes out there. Or if they're selling books, they're selling books on the sidewalk, too. Or oh, if they're a, a scooter is- shop that's fixing the scooters, they've got you know, scooter parts all over the place and you can't really walk through that part of the sidewalk because it's now claimed, you know? Yep. So I talk about this a lot with Bob, actually. <laughs> yeah, usually I'll walk in the street instead. If it's not people's scooter parts blocking your way, it's an old grandma walking slow. Yeah, yeah. So I have a distinct memory. I was driving um, in Ankong, which is just kind of um, the last part of you know, Taipei sprawl for the mountains. And I'm just coming around a corner and there's a guy just pushing this massive push cart with a fridge. Fridge was lying perpendicular to the cart and he's just walking in the road, just in the middle, like like not even to the side at all. And it's like, there's a fridge coming on the road, guy walking, just how it was. And I was like, what the hell? I thought like if the fridge was upright, it would just fall over. Yeah, I've never seen that. <laughs> so that was that was hilarious. But yeah, just like people walk in the road here. Like they just do that. You know, it's not only for cars because cars really only took off in Taiwan like the 80s kind of. And even then, Taiwan's still half scooters. What I mean is that when I'm driving, I feel like I'm driving with half scooters and half cars. Oh, I usually... Well, yeah, there are a lot of cars nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The last thing we're, we're going to talk about... Most buildings are concrete, covered in tiles, and occasionally surface mold. Yeah. There's a reason why um, Taipei used to be called the Ugly Duckling of Asia. Oh my, that's a bad name. <laughs> like, the buildings here are just ugly as shit most of the time. And let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, actually, when I first came here, Hess, in my training, they that was one of the, like, the first things they told me. They were like, oh, on the buildings... The, on the outside, the buildings look really ugly and moldy and kind of broken, like tiles falling off. But on the inside, it's well taken care of and the houses look good. And they're like, oh, don't be discouraged if you see like an ugly house on the outside because maybe you still want to live there because the inside will be nice. 
Case in point, my old apartment in Neili, I thought was actually pretty nice on the inside, um, but the outside was ugly as hell. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, well, the first thing I can think about is the fact that they had to build a million brand new homes when the soldiers came over in the 1940s uh, after losing the war in China. It was all about building things quickly and efficiently, not about making them look good. Then you also have uh, air pollution. I didn't know that typhoons and earthquakes to deal with. And you have to build buildings to kind of cope with that, not so much to look good. In modern times, I don't know why there isn't a movement to kind of like beautify some of the buildings because your average Taiwanese who owns a home has money because the property market is crazy. But they still don't really put any effort into the outside of buildings at all. In fact, they let them get grimy as hell. Well, I, yeah, I mean, if it's one of those old style buildings that are just like raw concrete on the outside, yeah. uh, no one cares about making it pretty. But I feel like nowadays they are putting more tile on the outside in an effort to make the building prettier and not just raw, disgusting, moldy concrete. Is tile much better? Sometimes, sometimes it is. Okay. Sometimes so- it's like cheap tile that ends up falling off and looking shitty, but sometimes it, it, you know, it looks good. Yeah, my, even my wife says that the like, Taiwanese just don't care about aesthetic at all. Um, and maybe it is a cultural thing in the West, but I mean, God, every country I've been to, and I've been to like 17, like the houses look nice compared to Taiwan. And I, I talked about, about this with Bob as well. There are architectural styles to draw from in Taiwan. There's old-fashioned Fujianese, San Huiyuan, and there are um, native Taiwanese and Rukai building styles down south if you want to draw like from, from some traditional architecture. But people just don't care. They want to build quickly, build cheaply, and they're fine living in concrete boxes covered in mold. Yeah, literally concrete boxes. The rooms are all square. Yep. <laughs> so, I, I mean, there's there's just not any kind of push to beautify the look of the city, especially yeah. with such a focus on making them withstand the weather and natural disasters. Yeah, I told my kids that. I was like, in America, the, the houses are made of wood. So we have different problems than you do in, in Taiwan with, you know, houses made of rock. You know, yeah. I was like, you guys can withstand an earthquake, but we can build cheaper, you know? Yeah, and we can renovate cheaper as well. Um, I mean, I think, uh, frankly, a coat of paint on a lot of the buildings would look really nice. I wonder how long until the paint kind of uh, wears away with the constant rain and uh, humid weather. Yeah, I don't see it lasting long. I wish they'd try. Um, <laughs> I mean, like some some buildings you see, it, it just looks absolutely hilarious how dilapidated they look. Uh, with the top floor made entirely of corrugated steel and iron yeah, tagged yeah. on top of uh, different floors of concrete, all poured separately even. Um, yeah. Bars in the windows with no... You, you see, you wonder how it got to this point. Yeah, pretty bad. Anything else to say about buildings being covered in mold? Uh, Puerto Rico's the same. Really? Well, we'll put paint on it at least, but <laughs> yeah, same same building type. Yeah, you get the okay. concrete buildings and you get the mold on the outside, like the moss. But yeah. people fucking scrape that shit up and put a paint on it, you know. 
Okay. Yeah, and I guess it doesn't I, look as bad as Taiwan, and they don't have the same air pollution. So I don't know what else we to say about the building. Yeah, I've got nothing else. Just don't don't judge a book by its cover. You know, usually on the inside it's it's quite nice, but on the outside just no one cares. You know, a lot of people they share buildings with many neighbors. Like right now, I have five floors in my building, and there's ten different families living in my building. So if the outside is dirty, you know who's gonna pay for it? Nobody wants to pay for it, so nobody cares, and nobody yeah. cleans it. You know. And a lot of the older buildings don't have like a homeowners association um, agreement between people who actually own the units, so so yeah. no one feels obliged to pay for it at all. Um, yeah. That was yeah. That's one more thing that. Um, Separates the oldest buildings from newer ones, even once built like 30 years ago, they'll have some kind of like association to pay for general uh, upkeep aside from just individual units. Yeah, in my new place, the place I have yet to move into, yeah. but we have the key finally, uh, It ha you have to pay, I think, 400 a month, even though there's no doorman, we still pay 400 a month for like, you know, garbage service and like they'll clean the stairwells like once a week or something like that. Nice. You know? And a minimum of cleaning, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, like, it's just still necessary. And, like, your new place kind of has, like, a bunch of trees outside, too. Yeah, no one... Because that land is owned by the the housing company, I guess, or the homeowners, the, the street will never be cleaned by those street cleaning cars, you know? The city won't clean those streets. So, like, all the pollen and flower petals and dead leaves that fall off the trees, they just stay there forever. Well, th that's why you have kids to go make them do that chore. Yeah, I suppose. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, it's, it's been fun talking about these last uh, five um, observations about Taiwan. I got a lot more on my list, but again, I want to thank you for coming on this time again uh, to talk, because it's always fun to kind of riff off these uh, topics with another person to get their stories about, you know, yeah, being yeah. chased by dogs or being kissed by cockroaches or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. I said, no problem. It's always fun to, you know, chat, go on tangents and see where the conversation takes us. Yeah. So uh, I wish you the best of luck with your uh, new, um, the, the, the newest difficulty in your life that is being a homeowner, which is amazing. Um, and I'll, I'll say for our listeners, uh, the next episode in this series, whenever we get around to it, will actually be 10 things, not just five. And they will wow. be, yeah. They will all be about food and restaurants. So you can look forward to that because restaurants uh, <laughs> in Taiwan are very different from the West. That sounds fun. Well, hang in there when it comes to this ridiculous hybrid and distance teaching quarter we have. Oh, yeah. I'm already arguing with my boss about that. She's like, oh, you got to teach everything online, but you still have to come to work. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to work, you should give me everything I need to do the job. Like, you don't tell me to teach a reading class and then buy a library and bring it with me. It's like, if you want me to use a laptop, give me a laptop. You want me to use a webcam, give me a webcam. My, my job has actually done an okay um, compromise with letting us work at home when the entire schools have been shut. But I had to beg for a better laptop to teach off of. Yeah, they haven't given me anything. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, well, hey, you can try for a new job again if you want to. <laughs> yeah. All right, Matt, thanks so much. Until next time. Yeah, see you, man. And 
thank you all so much for listening all the way through in this episode of the Dear Taiwan podcast. It's a lot of fun making these with my friend Matt. We kind of always enjoy the conversation, the process, and the editing. Um, in the description of the episode, I've actually linked a resource I wish I'd brought up during the actual recording, but it's an article detailing some um, prominent veterinarians' endeavors to have trap, neuter, and release policies implemented through places across Taiwan, and it reflects on the successes and challenges of that program. So please do take a look at that article linked in the description of this episode on Spotify or wherever you're getting the podcast. So until next time for our restaurant episode, thank you again for listening to the Dear Taiwan podcast. Thank you.